0: Welcome back to another Cardinals off day podcast. Here we are once again, but, uh, in a rare moment for this season, uh, Ben, we are recording uh, after a couple of uh, Cardinals wins. So I think if we really block out a lot of things that we know about this team, we could pretend like we are here talking about uh, a winning baseball team today.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, it's a strange feeling, uh, especially after two fun uh, wins uh, of the walk-off variety, uh, off the bat of Tommy Edmund, no less. Um, absolutely, but absolutely, friend of the those pod. type, you know that that kind of yes, friend of the podcast, Tommy Edmund. Uh, but those types of like uplifting, you know, like wins have been just almost non-existent this year (laughs) you know it feels like they get down and it's just like here we go again Um, (laughs) right but uh but you know the other night uh wilson Contreras almost you know willed them back into that game before edmund delivered the game-winning hit um and then jordan walker uh with the big homer today uh before edmund came through again versus hater and so uh some really fun performances uh, from multiple players over the last couple of days, contributing to the wins It it almost feels like it's a uh, 2022 all over again. And until you look at the standings and realize that the Cardinals uh, are very likely to have, uh, you know, a top six draft pick yeah, uh, when things are, are all said and done. So,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, but but
0: you know, let's forget all about that and let's enjoy you know back-to-back uh, walk-off wins off of uh, you know a uh, uh, hater and the and the uh, uh, Padres. And uh, so that's a couple things that we've seen here recently, Ben. But uh, uh, over the past week or
1: so, uh, what have you learned? Um, over the past uh, week or so, I have learned that. Uh, I've kind of relearned, like having Wilson Contreras out of the lineup, and the team was very humdrum. You you know what I mean? Just not a lot of energy. They they faced some good pitching too, but it just felt like they had given up. And uh, then you know Contreras has come back, uh, and since he has come back from the injured list, he seems to have brought a real energy, you know. whereas it, it felt like a lot of the players who were playing uh, while he was out and unable to catch and those types of things, it, it felt like they weren't bringing a lot of energy, and, and there are a lot of things. I'm using the word felt intentionally because there are a lot of things that go into that, but, I mean, Wilson Contreras is out there yelling at umpires. He's running the bases hard. Yeah. He's absolutely demolishing baseballs, and it's really endearing because he's playing – you know, frankly, he's out there playing like they're in a playoff chase, you know, and they are nowhere near that. Um, And as much as he endeared himself to me after management and the pitching staff tried to throw him under the bus for the pitching staff being bad in April and the way he took the high road and carried himself, and I found that very endearing, uh, this is even more so where, you know, it feels like a lot of the players are just kind of mailing it in and he's out there, you know, playing the game the way you would play it if you were competing for a playoff spot. And, you know, I have to say him as a player in, in that way is something I think maybe I, I understood the way that he played, but seeing it night in and night out as Mm -hmm. a member of the Cardinals, it has given me a much greater appreciation for it. And so I guess I'm here to say that, you know, after, I will be disappointed when Mosellock and Marmol decide to trade him and $25 million to an American League team, you know, here in a few months. So it, that'll make me sad because I have enjoyed the fire he brings to the Cardinals. And I think it's something that the team needs because they obviously don't respond to Oliver Marmol's poor leadership skills.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. He really, uh, I think he has just made himself into an absolute fan favorite. And uh, I don't know that that's going to impact what they do or don't do with him. But uh, I mean, I went from thinking, oh, my gosh, like he is absolutely on his way out of town to thinking, uh, boy, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to see him stick around. And at least, um, you know, he's he's becoming beloved in a, a, a really surprising way, I think, given where they had the corner they had painted him into uh, just a month or two uh, into the season. Um, ben, I uh, over the past week, I had the pleasure of seeing the Savannah bananas in person for the first time, and uh, I learned the uh, the absolute joy of watching that in person. Uh, I've of course seen them online uh, endlessly; they're all over social media, um, you know, to the point of I think you know bordering, if not overexposure, But oh my God, is that fun in person? Uh, Just such a blast. And, you know, what was amazing just watching it (laughs) that stuck with me is like uh, so much of when we watch the way that uh, Major League Baseball is still kind of covered and talked about by the kind of stodgy old men who are paid to be broadcasters is still all about kind of unwritten rules and everything. And then you've got the Savannah Bananas who are just unquestionably like the viral thing in in all of baseball entertainment. You know, there's no debating that. And everything they do is just the polar opposite of that, right? It's just absolute uh, insanity and bravado and just fun, right? It's just kind of like wackiness and fun and um. But, you know, they they played, uh, you know, here in Des Moines at the, the minor league park here, fully, fully sold out. Uh, everybody in the park, uh, like an hour before the game started to watch all of the pregame spectacle, everyone stayed until the game was completely finished, uh, you know, um, and just the, you know, the energy level. Uh, you you know you don't see that and of course yeah this is a special event right this is something different it's not like you're going to see that for a, you know a full season of of a you know regular teams game but but just to see that and to see kind of what they you know brought to uh, to fans um was really kind of something special to see and i do think it just highlighted the way that i really do think fans like to see baseball um and i think you know, yeah, I don't think in the major leagues, I don't think you're going to see a you know right fielder play an inning on a hoverboard anytime soon, um, for a variety <laughs> of reasons. But um, <laughs> you know, but I just think there's a lot about just the energy and the spirit of it that um, could just continue to be embraced more and more. And I think we see you know, major league baseball moving in that direction. And we do see the marketing and everything that them understanding that's the direction to move, but you know, it's, it's moving slowly. Um, and, uh, but you know, clearly that's the way to go. And I would just say anybody, if you, if you have a chance to get out and, and, uh, see the show that the, the bananas put on, it is, uh, it is well worth it.
1: You know, it reminds me of like the Harlem Globetrotters as compared to like the NBA where it's, you know, it's kind of got a, uh, you know, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey's circus yeah. component to it, where they're, they're really engaging the crowd and doing a lot yeah. of fun antics. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it is a lot of fun. And I think it's really good just for baseball overall, because it's huh. so like just unabashedly fun. Um, one of my friends also said to me, it, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, WWE crossed with baseball because of some of the gimmicks yeah. and, and the yeah. way that they work that in. And, and it is so much fun and it is very present on social media. And I know it has captured uh, my wife and our oldest son's uh, attention very much so. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, they came to town. Obviously, you got tickets, but uh, we held off because we weren't sure with the baby what things would be like and the ticket prices on the secondary market it sold out very quickly and the ticket prices on the secondary market i think you you found actually some good ones and i i did not have as much luck as you Uh, Well, I still spent,
0: I I spent a stupid amount of money. I'm going to be honest, but, um, uh, you know, I felt like it was, it was still worth spending and I I didn't spend the the stupidest amount of money. They were going for really crazy prices at one point,
1: Yeah, Yeah, Um,
0: (laughs) but, uh, uh, it it dropped, it it dropped to a a low enough level of stupid that I pulled the trigger And, and I took my two boys who, yeah, have just been big fans and, you know, watching online for a while and,
1: and yeah, they absolutely loved it. So that that might uh, also be a recommendation, or at least an an endorsement that it, it's a very good time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or at the very least, if you do get some tickets, uh, scalp them because uh, there was uh, there was some money to be made. Let me tell you. So yeah,
1: buy uh, buy yourself two extras, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get your get your max allotment for sure, for sure. So uh, anyway. Uh, Well, uh, we're going to move into uh, a few uh, topics here, and I think, Ben, the first topic we want to talk about, and I don't even know that it relates to the Cardinals, but I think we were both just fascinated by this uh, big waiver dump that happened (laughs) a couple days ago, because we've never really seen anything like this before, and I I think we all kind of noticed it when the, the Angels Um, just basically dumped all of their, uh, you know, guys who are going to be free agents at the end of the season. But then we saw several other teams essentially follow suit. And I think for Cardinals fans, notably the Yankees putting Harrison Bader on waivers, uh, not something we've really ever seen before. And of course, it's the rules are a little bit different now, whereas it used to be the case that there was this second, um, you know, waiver trade deadline where a team if they put a player on on waivers after the the initial trade deadline um, they could still negotiate a trade with another team. But essentially, if a team made a waiver claim on them, they could kind of like block that trade. So the player had to pass through waivers before a trade could be made. So there, it was still basically a trading period right now. Um, and, and But those trades could only happen if a guy passed all the way through waivers. Um, and the other thing is um, we were in a period, and I forget the exact date, but um, much earlier, these guys uh, that even were traded in this period we're not postseason eligible. Well, these guys are still postseason eligible all the way up to, I believe, September first, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, so really all of these guys are now on waivers, any team that claims them will just have to pay the rest of their contract and then the team that acquires them has them until, uh, you know, the end of the season and potentially into the playoffs. So um you know from the, the the teams that are at the uh, bottom of the uh league of both leagues in terms of record have the opportunity to claim any of these players um it's going to be really interesting to, i think to see you know who are the lowest teams that feel like yeah it's worth claiming a player you know to potentially give us some sort of a boost um and just kind of where it goes from here i don't know um what, what do you think, Ben? What were some of your takeaways from this?
1: Well, I, uh, I saw Peter Gammon's tweet uh, earlier today with respect to this, and it was kind of thinking out loud, Would Manfred step in, you know, for the good of the game and block any such acquisition? I think and I think the
0: answer to any question that starts "Would Manfred dot 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 for the good of the game"
1: is no. <laughs> right, and and my my thought was the same. Is Rob Manfred's idea of what is good for the game is what the owners who hired him and pay his salary tell him to do. If that means lying to the fans, uh, if it means uh, you know lying to the players, I mean he's just a very dishonest person. he gets paid to lie right um you know the whole last uh lockout was just you know there there was a time in this country when grown ups acted for the most part, not one hundred percent, but they tended to act honorably <laughs> right and i I feel like that Or, that or, or at least
0: our- they at least put on airs that they were acting honorably then yes.
1: Yeah. Yes, and and there was a time where I feel like you know anyone who would be of uh, of a the type of person you would want to be the commissioner of Major League Baseball would not be so brazenly dishonest as Rob Manfred, right? And I, so, I, like,
0: I, re- I realize here we should note that Kenesaw Mountain Landis was just a gutter racist and a horrible human being. We should probably asterisk this. Yes. Like, what well, a, what well a, sure. What a dirtbag. <laughs> uh,
1: oh, yeah. He's he's a total scumbag. I'm not saying that every commissioner, you know, and he was kind of and really what I mean is like kind of the middle part of the ni- middle part to right, middle right. late 1900s yes. was kind of when. I feel like America kind of grew up and acted like an adult for a little while. Sure, you, sure. You, you know what I mean? And, uh, and I, I should say adults in America kind of acted like adults for a little while. And, yeah. and now it's just, uh, right. You know, we're in a situation where he's like, you know, Roger Goodell, he's just a bag man who does what the owners want and he'll right. say what the owners want him to say. Right. And he doesn't care if he's being dishonest with the players. He doesn't care if he's being yeah. dishonest with fans. Yeah. He doesn't care if he shows that he does not have respect for the history of the game or the accomplishments of the game. Right. So in yeah. short, as you just said, uh, his idea of what's good for the game is what the owners tell him to do. Right. So he's not going to do that. Um, and also, I don't know what standing he would have. Because right. this is one hundred percent allowed, right. right? Like, well, it's yeah, it's
0: it's in a collective bargaining
1: agreement. So, like, what what's it going to do? Right, and so the the thing that I think folks are worried about is there are all these players, and a team that is that is in the wild card race because I don't think this gets to teams who are necessarily in the division race. So, I, I guess it could, but. My thinking was, like the Miami Marlins are you know what I mean, like a team yeah. or you know that this this could one hundred percent apply to, where they acquire like three pitchers to help push them over the finish line, yeah. right, like get them there, yeah, and do you block that and I just I don't see it because number one, you've got to go through you know the the roster machinations to make it happen Mm -hmm. and i you know i don't know how many teams have that degree of flexibility where they're willing to kind of you know make room for those types of players or or how feasible it is in terms of their 40 man flexibility um but then also it's i think it's really good it's basically like another trade deadline like if you have something like that happening you have a storyline that's going to get widespread media coverage. Yeah. And if it works, it's going to get even more. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they did this, this is this new angle under the CBA. And I think it's going to, it would peak casual and hardcore fan interest in a way that you oftentimes don't see in late August and early yeah. September, you know, basically around Labor Day when this would have to happen.
0: And yeah. so it's Ben. You uh, and I are you and I are wrestling fans. These th- this is a run in, is what this is, right? It's like oh, one hundred percent. That's that that's Lucas Giolito's music, is what we yeah. have
1: here. <laughs> What's he doing here? You know, <laughs> he's in Japan. You know, like, you know after after he's done remote uh, promos uh, from Asia for three weeks, and then he he runs in for the main event, right? Like that's. Yeah. that's one hundred percent what it is. Um, which, and, which, by the way,
0: is great television. Great television. Yeah,
1: and I think it's good. It's good theater uh, yeah. for a league, also, where you know you have all of these cheap owners who want to pay as little money as possible to their players. Yeah, and they make an effort, and the calculation yeah. changes in the month yeah. between the trade deadline and uh, putting yeah. folks on waivers, and Artie Moreno's. Uh, you know, a trailblazer in, in this, you know, I, I saw right. a tweet that said it was like a, like a garage sale, but it's more like the landlord putting furniture on the curb after evicting someone, you know, yeah. like here, just take it. It's yours. Right. Like, yeah. um, and so uh, it, it will be really interesting. I think to see where these uh, players might wind up, yeah. you know, the, the Phillies have some holes that I, that I think like, uh, some of the bats might help. Uh, fill, you know, some of those teams angling for a wild card spot definitely could use the arms. But but a team that has already said that they their president of baseball operations said they need quote pitching pitching and pitching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this is also a president of baseball operations and a front office that has shown itself to be not great at signing free agents. Oh, I think um, I know where you're going with this, Ben. Uh so let me ask you, like a Lucas Giolito. Yeah. If you're the Cardinals and you're terrible at assessing free agents, you've had yeah you've had failures in the range of player that you want to acquire yep. for the rotation, you know, both on the on the position player side as well as on the pitching side, but you know, like the Dexter Fowlers, the yep. Mike Lee. Yep. Yep.
0: Uh
1: you know, those, those types of acquisitions that went poorly. Um, Is there, is it, and they also need innings, quite frankly. Yeah. Um,
0: Is there a chance?
1: Yeah. Is there a chance they just, they block Giolito from joining a pennant race and say, Hey, we want you to be in the pennant race next year for us. And we want to show you what you, what we got. And we want to see what you have. I
0: mean, I think there's an extremely low chance of that. But I do, I do think there's, a, there's some chance of that. And it's for the reason that you said, um, I think they, this front office has very few moves, very few moves that they can execute. But one of their favorite and best moves is trade for a guy and then sign him right? That's, that's how they love to do business. And that's how they have been most successful. So this is kind of a weird way to do that. It's never been possible before, but I could, I could see them giving it a shot. And, 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 you know, Giolito is the guy that kind of stands out that they could kind of give it a shot for. And it's not a ton of money that they would have to pay these guys to do that. Um, So, yeah, I, I, I think it's, I think there's a, sliver of possibility for that reason that they do it. Um, You know, the, the, the main reasons I think they don't, of course, number one, you know, obviously they, they're not going to win anything this year. So there, it doesn't help them in that regard, even though it's not that much money that they have to pay these guys for the rest of the season. um, You know, it might be enough money to pay for like an eighth of an Arby's franchise. So that's enough still that we know that, you know, DeWitt's probably, uh, you know, not going to be interested in that. And and the other thing I just wonder is, I don't know, you know, if you're like a Giolito, how great do you feel like, oh, great. I got signed to go, you know, uh, you know, rack up innings for a 90 loss team for the rest of the season. You, you know what I'm saying? Like usually when they sign these guys or, the, you know, or excuse me, when they trade for these guys, you know, they're bringing them into a pretty good team and they're kind of like showcasing themselves. Like, this is not really the time to be showcasing themselves. So those would be the kind of reasons not to. But I think there's a chance. And, and hey, in terms of, like, having something to watch, that would be a lot of fun. So I certainly hope they do.
1: And if I can make an ECW reference, uh, in a way, it's kind of like a job squad running, right? Like, you know, these guys don't belong in the main event. What are they doing? You know, like, it's uh the Cardinals are jobbers this year and it would maybe just kind of seem like almost dishonorable to acquire a a quality arm who's going to be a free agent who wants to join a playoff race and wants to showcase his abilities during the rest of the regular season and then in October so they can make more money when they're a free agent so you might while it's kind of like a it could potentially be a tryout you you could rub the player the wrong way and, and yeah. completely make it so you're unlikely to be able to sign yeah
0: well and they should definitely do it if they find out that there's somebody who the cubs really want that's that's a player that they <laughs> find. so
1: yes yes if they're blocking the cubs they should do that yeah
0: all right, well, Ben, uh, uh, I don't remember. if it Was our last episode or the episode before um, we uh, we kind of had some fun? We drafted uh, the worst players that we could. Um, we we thought um, this time we'd maybe have a, a little bit of fun as well. I know you and I often talk about you know counterfactuals and what ifs and and you know being the the men of logic that we are, we're fond of saying, "Yeah, well, we can't we can't ever know, right? We can't do these things." But I thought it would be fun to pick some of our favorite. What if things that we just believe in our hearts would absolutely have turned out a certain way, and uh, and share those with uh, with listeners, and I'm going to go first, Ben, because um, there is just there's one what if that I I truly believe, and this is not a huge what if, right? This is not uh, you know uh, about the Cardinals uh, you know acquiring Max Scherzer uh, or or something like that, but Uh, I have always felt that if they had reacquired Placido Polanco, they would have gone to at least one more World Series in the back half of the 2000s. And so if if folks recall, uh, Placido Polanco uh, was part of the Scott Rowland trade, right? So in 2004, he was traded away to the Phillies to acquire Scott Rowland, which, first off, Great trade for the Cardinals, right? <laughs> no, no, I that that was that
1: was 02.
0: It was, oh, I'm 02. sorry, I'm sorry, 02. Uh, right, uh, I'm yes, sorry, yes. yeah, wrong, yeah, yeah, you're right, excuse me, sorry, wrong, wrong year 02. So, 02 was that trade, uh, n- anyway, n- no complaints there, right? No, no complaints there. 04 was when he then became a free agent, so sorry, I got my years yes. confused there, right. Uh, but bottom line, yeah, n- no qualms with the initial trade of Polanco acquiring Scott Rowland. Like, good move there. Uh, but then in uh, in 04, uh, you've got uh, uh, Polanco uh, become, at the end of 04, Polanco becomes a, a free agent, right, uh, with the Phillies. And uh, if you recall, Ben, also... Oh, geez, sorry, I leaned on my computer and it started making noise. Um, Do you remember who uh, some of his uh, good friends were on the St. Louis Cardinals? Uh,
1: Some lesser known players uh, like Albert Pujols, um, (laughs) I think, and uh, maybe Yadier Molina. Yes, yes, uh, absolutely. If I remember correctly.
0: Yes, no, you're you're 100% correct. So, so very beloved, uh, many players who wanted him to come back, and I remember at the time, there was reporting that said he wanted to come back to the Cardinals, and the Cardinals wanted him back, and I even recall, and I can't find this, but I remember a story saying that the Cardinals matched the Phillies' offer. And something about like his agent kind of messed the numbers up or it didn't get through to him. And so he ended up re-signing with the Phillies. So he re-signs with the Phillies in 2004. And then um, actually they trade him to the Tigers um, after that season. So so Polanco never comes back to to the Cardinals. And then what happens from there on out with the Cardinals? uh well the Cardinals second baseman um from from there on were just not great right you had Mark Grads had had one like pretty good year but uh from there up till uh 2011 you had uh Aaron Miles Adam Kennedy and Skip Schumacher were your your second baseman so it was just kind of this perpetual your primary second baseman which of course you know, plenty of other uh, dead weight cycling through there as well. So it was just kind of this perpetual revolving door. Um, Granted, there was plenty of other talent on the team. It's not like you needed to fill every single position, but I just throughout all of those years, I thought, man, wouldn't it be great if Polanco was on this team? Not the greatest player in the world, but uh, a very, very good player would have done a lot. I don't know why, Ben, that one has just always stuck with me. I I wish that had. uh, I I wish Polanco had come back. That's my what if. I feel like if Polanco's back there, you know, a couple of those, uh, those years, you know, between 04 and 2011, where they had some, you know, playoff teams that made early exits, I think, I think they go farther, Ben. I just, I believe that in my heart.
1: Oh, I I totally agree with you because, you know, he was a good defender, a good contact hitter. Um, you know, the interesting thing is, like in 06, when they won the World Series, you know Hector Luna who I think was a lot of our introduction kind of to the rule 5 draft of yeah. a, if you're of a certain age yeah right um you know he got a lot of playing time and then they made the trade for, for Ronnie Belliard uh mm-hmm. who my my good friend Ryan and I referred to as Fat Letic um <laughs> Um, and, you know, do they win the 06 World Series without Ronnie Belliard? Who knows? But Placido Polanco, uh, I I think, uh, is a better player and certainly uh, upgrades that team and gives them, in my opinion, like a, a better core in 06 and a better core in 07 and, and, and I think allows them to be more uh, competitive. And so... Um, I, I think you're on to something there and he's also like Tony La Russa really liked him oh um, yeah oh, and yeah. so like he's you know he's a La Russa guy so it's not like yeah. you have to worry well I mean with La Russa you always have to worry about uh, him and a and a competitive proud player ultimately butting heads but um, but at least on paper he's a a La Russa guy who had already played with the Cardinals and, and would have fit in well in, in the clubhouse. Yeah. And so I, I think that's a, that's a very good, uh, that's a very good uh, historical change. I mean, Mary, maybe not in glorious bastards. Good.
0: Well, um, sure.
1: Sure. But uh, uh, but it's up
0: there. It's up there. Yes, uh, ben, it's it's
1: right up there for yeah for us thank Cardinals
0: you. fans anyway. Thank you. So Ben Ben uh, Ben, what do you got? What is your uh, what is your what if?
1: So uh, this is a conviction that I have long held, and it is one that became even stronger after last season, and now I I believe it one hundred percent in my head and my heart. So it's not even just what the heart wants now my brain is convinced of it as well and it is that if albert pujols had signed with the st louis cardinals after the 2011 season uh, he would have uh set the all-time home run record for all of uh major league baseball um and not only that the cardinals would have won a couple of world series um in the intervening, uh, I guess, where are we now, 12 years? Uh, now, w- what are some of the side effects of this? You may be wondering. Um, one of the side effects is that Mike Matheny would still be the manager. Uh, another of the side effects is that Mike Matheny would be a future Hall of Fame manager. Um, and uh, So and be careful what you was- wish for, Ben. That's the, that's the real lesson. Oh. Well, what I was about ready to say is, you know, Molina and Pujols basically would have been running that clubhouse and we saw how much that helped Oliver Marmol, right? Like they took a Mm -hmm. sub-replacement level manager completely in over his head who has no business holding the job and they helped him win a division title. Then they both left and he's like making these threats to Tyler O'Neill, and then not applying that standard anywhere else and he's just completely lost and terrible. So my thinking is, and I've always felt this, that uh, something that Tony LaRusa did is he had the council of veterans in the clubhouse, and so he had a group of veterans that kind of helped set the tone, and he communicated with them, and they were kind of like a go between between him and the rest of the clubhouse, so that he had his uh, finger on the pulse of what was going on, and and it it helped him manage. And I've long felt that with. You know, Holiday and Molina and Wainwright and Carpenter, that that really helped Bowie uh, Matheny as a manager when the team was good uh, in his initial years. But as those players, you know, kind of began to fall off and their skill began to, you know, waver in in some instances, um, that his leadership in the clubhouse took a hit. And then he also began to think that he was a better manager than he was and got too big for his britches and those types of things. But I think he would not have been able to do that if he had Molina and Poole because they're bigger than him. Right. And so I, I think my hatred of all of this is me getting to the point where I think my hatred of Mike Matheny would be less or in the alternative It would now be starting to grow as I began to see how terrible uh, he actually is as a manager and how much he was propped up by Molina and Pujols. But I'll tell you, Pujols' performance last year with the Cardinals and then the reporting this year that he had, uh, I believe it was an ankle injury, that uh, the pain was so bad he did not know how he played through it. But not only did he play through it, Ben, Mm -hmm. he played at a whole other level. Like yeah. he was, he was one of the top five or 10 best players in all of baseball as he played through it. Yeah. And, you know, with some of his health issues and also just the way that Cardinals fans uh, adored him, uh, I honestly believe that the mental component of his game would have been so rock solid that he yeah. would have set a whole bunch of records and he would be talked about perhaps as the greatest player ever. Um, yeah. And so that's my counterfactual
0: yeah yeah and you know I think there was a point in time where that would have seemed silly or, or not silly but you know would have seemed more far-fetched but man after the year we saw last year Ben um I uh, I'm with you I'm with you on that so all right well um I think we're gonna move on into some some listener questions and the the very first one we're going to deal with actually comes from our uh, our good friend Kyle Reese um and uh Kyle, uh, Kyle hit us up with a he, he hit us up with a tough one, Ben, I think he knew what he was doing here. And uh, uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle wrote in and said, uh, Hey, sweeties. Uh, so I was listening to last week's show and uh, the memory lane trip about uh, Jose Okendo was delightful. And we we thank thank Kyle for that. It also got me wondering how the early part first part of Tommy Edmonds career compares to Okendo's. Uh, anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts uh specifically uh your thoughts Ben and I think it's uh uh you know I know he's uh, he's poking the bear there Ben is what he's doing um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh anyway Kyle thanks for the question I and mean, honestly I it, it was interesting I, I thought that was interesting too I was like ooh, that is interesting to think about looking at these two so um I have kind of taken a look at them um I have my thoughts do you want me to go first Ben or do you want to um jump in
1: uh, you you by all means i i know he asked for my uh opinion first but uh i i don't want to steal any of your observations so so please go right ahead
0: by the way that was me cracking a beverage in honor of Kyle right there so um you know it's it it it's a really interesting comparison and i think it's a, you know honestly i think it's a pretty good comparison um between uh Okindo and between Edmund and uh you know, both, uh, frankly, you know, utility players. Right. And, um, I think we can see a lot of kind of overall similarity, um, to them and kind of to the, you know, to the, to the arc of their career. Um, you know, both guys who, uh, you know, kind of, you know, struggled to get up to, um, to be, you know, a league average, um, uh, hitters, Uh, And, you know, maybe had 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 peaks that that, you know, kind of peaked over that Um, different, different um, skills that would that would kind of push them over that at the times that they would push over that. Um, uh, But, um, but yeah, kind of similarly, I think what's going to get into where we've maybe been critical about Edmund really has to do with his usage. And I think um, if, if Edmund had been used the way Okindo was used throughout his career, I think we probably would have been less critical of, of just of Edmund's usage. That's probably my summary of the, the two. But I think just in terms of their overall value, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of similarity. But of course, you know, Edmund, a lot more power. Um, you know, as you've noted on the last show, Okindo really amazing uh, walk uh, skill, um, which Edmund, absolutely not. Um, anyway, those are kind of my thoughts. Ben, what are you your takeaways? Uh,
1: um, so I, I think a, a big difference between them is that uh, Okendo struggled early and Edmund came up uh, to deuce ball in 2019. Um, I think uh, another difference is speed. Uh, Okendo... Um, as as my memory is, and, and listeners uh, with their own memories, please uh, feel free to correct me. Um, and it could be because of the win, all right? Like, it was just a different era. About this last uh, couple of episodes ago with the Mace that uh, request for historical Mace and win comparisons, where it's very hard to compare players today with players from previous eras is just so different um but like okendo didn't have the speed that edmund had and he definitely did not have the speed that edmund has relative to his peers um the the pot feelings like it's not uh you know that compared to what folks were doing uh in the 80s He's just not out there running bases the way that they did. Um, the, The other thing is, you know, middle infielders, the expectation for offense was lower in the 1980s. And so a player like Okendo, who's a below average hitter, you know, was not out of character for a middle infielder. Whereas today, you know, not that they're all above average, but, You know, shortstop in particular, but also second base. Edmund also plays third base in the outfield, of course. But like, Mm -hmm. you know, that middle infield position, you're getting a little bit more production relative to the 1980s. So that's a difficult comparison. Uh, The other thing is the spread in their OPS. uh, So with their split, um, Okendo against right hand was better against lefties than righties, but he had a a six uh, eighty six OPS against lefties for his career and a six fifty OPS against righties for his career. So that's about a thirty six point difference. And we've talked about it here a lot on this podcast, uh, but but that at Edmund, Edmund has enough of eight seventeen against left, six ninety six against righties. So that's a much larger spread. Um, and so, I guess what I would say is with Kendo, you're getting a little bit better production depending on on which hand the pitcher's pitching with, um, but it's not a dramatic split. It, it's much less severe than Edmonds. Um, and so I, I think that's a fundamental difference. Um, but the difference against lefties uh, and not good at all against righties. And so, you know, he is someone that you can say you, you really have to kind of struggled to justify playing him against righties, whereas he should play every day against lefties. And kendo I think you could just kind of play him as you needed to, and you didn't really have to worry about the hand of the pitcher as much. Um, and so I, I think those are the big differences. Uh, the, the other is the advances in defensive metrics. like Well, as, and as, –
0: yeah, although to me that was one thing too. In looking at defense, I think that the the challenge there is that there's it's so different how d- defense is measured now. I almost feel like we can't compare. You know, right one
1: one hundred percent. That's what I was going to say is we don't know how good Okendo was at any one position. Like we have like total zone, whereas Edmund, you know, we can know he was really good last year and not very good this year in the middle infield, yeah. and it's. You know, his reputation still gets him a halo effect this year, but in the middle infield, he hasn't been good. Whereas in center field, they've played him deep and let him run in on balls, and that's been pretty effective. And that makes up a, the lion's share of his defensive value this year. And so it's, uh, it's interesting uh, how the Cardinals seem to play him when they have to, but they – You know, they they were quick to go back to Paul DeYoung at shortstop. And they've they've certainly been open to Nolan Gorman over Edmund at second base.
0: Well, see, I think I, I honestly Ben, I think this year has been like perfect Edmund usage. And I also think it demonstrates how when you use him like this, he, you know, he's still going to have pretty, you know, pretty close to a full season worth of plate appearances this year because of his versatility, you know, and but exactly what you said, you know, yeah, he did play some shortstop, but then once DeYoung was there, he wasn't really playing shortstop anymore. But then another hole opens up, right? And he, right. Moves, he moves into that hole. And then when center field kind of becomes a hole, he moves into that hole. And I think that's a lot of what you know you and i or at least speaking for myself that's kind of what i've said all along is that like to me that's that's really good use of him and that's the thing where like they didn't have to you know push other good players and often better players out of positions to give him you know and an, uh, you know air quotes everyday role because they could have really gotten him uh, you know, nearly the same playing time in, in this kind of, uh, you know, in this kind of a, a more hybrid uh, role um, and 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 just made better use of his talents, not overexposed him. Um, it, it just, you know, th- this is frankly the platonic ideal of how to use Tommy Edmund.
1: Yeah. And um, about a week ago, I looked at what percentage of his plate appearances were against lefties. And it was about a quarter of his plate appearances in previous seasons. And yeah. this year it's about 35%. So they have looked for opportunities to bench him against yeah. righties. Yeah. And frankly, they should look for more opportunities to bench him against righties. You you should you should be forced. You should really only play him against righties if you have to. And if you have Donovan, if you have Gorman, if you have Newt Bar, there's really no reason to play Tommy Edmond.
0: Well, they've had to uh, against They've had to because yes. they've, you know, it's it's been like you know him or Taylor Motter as short for right long right. stretches well, of this season. So yeah,
1: yeah, one one hundred percent. And when you have a utility guy, you're forced to play him suboptimally because yeah. players get hurt, you yeah. know, or yeah. you know whatever they go on the bereavement list or what have you, and so. You have to play him, but like, ideally, I think you would, you would hold down his, the number of plate appearances he has even more, because he's not good enough to play that often, and you would increase the number of, or the share of those against lefties, because that's what he's good against
0: yeah if yeah if you had the kind of fully healthy team they thought they had at the beginning of the season a hundred percent agreed you would have much much uh, fewer of those for sure so all right well let's uh let's uh jump into some more of these uh questions here um all right cards talk um asks <laughs> when does the pain stop have we had that question on every show ben um or does- i
1: i think we have and and i think it stopped the last two days right yeah that's true like they were fun it alleviated, you it, know, like, it, yeah, <laughs> there was a, rest or, yeah, it, it, yeah, <laughs> that's the perfect, that's the perfect word. Uh, we've, we've had a minor rest, but it will, the pain will recommence shortly. Um, but for yeah. now we're feeling good.
0: The pain will stop on like, I don't think it's actually October 1st. I think it's like October 2nd or 3rd or something like that is when it will stop. Uh, so uh, anyway, I'll go, I'll go on to the second one here, Ben too. Uh, so Jeremy uh, Bostian asks, Not really a question, but I haven't been paying close attention to transactions or the day-to-day of this team lately. But I'll check box scores and have no idea who some of these players are. Where the hell did Jacob Barnes come from? Is this a simulated the show season? (laughs) I think we both sympathize, Ben,
1: don't we? Oh, 100%. Um, And I before this question, and maybe I guess I should not have scrapped it and we could have done an impromptu pop quiz for you, Ben. Uh, But I thought it would be fun to do a quiz of whether or not the player was on the St. Louis Cardinals 25-man roster in August. And I was just going to make up names and ask you either ors.
0: Oh, Um, I was – honestly, Ben, I was terrified you were going to do this with me, and I was terrified you were
1: going (laughs) to use, like,
0: made-up names because you could – No, I was. Oh, you could 100% get me. Like, there was – I think I posted on Twitter last night something like – uh, like I, I'm, I could name, uh, you know, I have as much confidence in who's in the bullpen as I do in like what teams are in the big 10. Right. So it's like, you know, like every night I feel like in the seventh inning, like, you know, Rutgers comes into pitch, but it could also be like, you know, West Virginia or Oregon state. Right. Like, I don't, I don't think they're in the bullpen, but if you told me they were, I'd be like, sure, why not?
1: Um. Yeah. Cause I've, I've even had some of the same reactions where I was like, is that the guy who was for Texas? Right, uh, that they signed. I don't remember. It doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Um, no, one, one hundred percent. So we're with you. It, it's also um, some of these guys too. I'm kind of in the like, do I? Is it worth my time to learn and remember who these guys are? That's uh, your little uh, borderline on some of these guys. I think as well because. Um...
1: <laughs> I, We're probably shooting ourselves in the foot uh, for future immaculate grids uh, by oh, taking this approach, but yeah. I'm the same way.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Some of these guys, I don't know that they've got a whole lot ahead of them, but who knows? And hopefully Jacob Barnes has a nice long career ahead of him. We wish him wish him nothing but the best.
1: Uh, Buck Webb asks, who lasts longer as a Cardinal, Oliver Marmol or Tyler O'Neill? That's
0: a pretty good question, I think, Ben. Um, you know, I mean, you and I have talked a lot about this. I mean, the all the reporting and like what the team officials say, you know, they they are very firm that you know Marmol is safe, right? And Marmol is back next year. So if you buy into that, you would say, I think you would you would have to like lean Marmol because. Um, I think you have to assume that O'Neill is somebody who they will at least be looking to trade or entertaining offers for in the offseason. But I don't, I, you know, I, I mean, these last two days, obviously the team did kind of show some life, but gosh, it'd been pretty ugly before that. So I, I'm not so sure that we don't see, uh, you know, um, exit interview firing um, of Marmol. So, um just because I kind of don't want Marmol to stick around, I'm going to say O'Neill. What do you think? <laughs>
1: um, well, I think the the St. Louis media establishment type, their reaction to the benching of O'Neill was almost uniformly initially with Marmol. Like, right? Yeah, this is. I, I think their calculation was clearly for their for their access supporting Marmol, in this was the right course to take because he'll be here longer um well it was, so... it was also it was also very
0: early in the season and we were all still of the mindset that this was a good team and I think from last season you, you know I think we all still felt like Marmol knew what he was doing frankly and so even though it maybe seemed like he didn't handle that moment well I I think overall it, you know what I'm saying? It felt in that moment, yeah. felt maybe more like that was a poorly handled moment. It didn't necessarily feel as much like this is who he is, but it, it's been, that is more of part of a ca- just cascading series of, you know, moments like that at this point.
1: I I think Marmol last through the end of next year. And I think they might both leave at the same be done at the same time yeah which is kind of a cop-out um i i mean i've already said i think he needs to be fired i just i look at this team and i don't know how he comes back from this and you know i recommended winning time and uh it really reminds me of uh a little bit it it feels like maybe he got too big for his britches like jason's the character uh, in winning time, the the coach of the Lakers, who's going to be fired and replaced by Pat Riley, um, so uh, it, it there feels like some similarities there, and I really want to say Marmol, but yeah. I think he outlasts O'Neal because I think the team's going to probably try to trade O'Neal in the off season, yeah. And even if they can't, I don't think he has a long term future with the club at this point in time. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, we know what Dewitt wants to do is have. Um, Mazurek finish out his contract next year, and and have Ollie finish out his contract also with, uh, uh, you know, with Mazurek, and and if if things aren't and, and then potentially make uh, make a change then that's what he wants to happen. So it's just a matter of if that rich old man uh, is so moved to make a more aggressive change than that, and and we don't know the answer.
1: So uh, I think it depends right. on how on how close to death he feels. Yes. right like yeah. does he yeah. feel he can outweight the mosaic yeah. marmal uh, era yeah that's a great question all right Dewallet inspector asks what will be the
0: hardest for the organization to cough up in the off season to address the pitching and he notes they probably need to do both is it 150 to 200 million and their second round pick um which he notes will be 38 to 45 and the associated two million dollar bonus pool or one or more of Walker, Wynn, Donovan, Newt, and Gormania. So Ben, what do you think? The first one is essentially a free agent, big free agent signing um, with a signing bonus or with a uh, roster pick compensation or a you know, big, big trade.
1: What do you, what do you think? Um, I think the it, it would be a lot easier to spend money and sacrifice the pick. I, I think giving up, those players um would be very difficult uh, especially because those are the types of players that are supposed to enable them uh to sign those types of players Mm -hmm. um and it's also one of the reasons i'm gonna watch very carefully uh for rumblings of a goldschmidt extension um because frankly i think in years past it would have already happened Mm Mm-hmm. And that it has not yet happened, I think, to me, perhaps suggests that the front office might try to structure a free agent pitching contract around Goldschmidt's salary coming off the books, and then being able to plug in a Gorman or a Walker at first base.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah,
1: and and uh, and I, I, I honestly think that might be what. They're thinking, mm-hmm. um, and then also with the way Goldschmidt has fallen off this year, I think they might have tabled the idea of an extension to see how he does next year, and and yeah. they might try to find a one or a, or you know a, a to add a year or two on um, after after next year, maybe even in season. But yeah. that that just to me it seems increasingly unlikely. So yeah. early on in this off season, that's what I'm going to be watching to see if they you know, go out and give Goldschmidt like a Matt Carpenter type extension. Yeah, Yeah. well,
0: uh, I I think it'd be a great idea to wait on it because some of these late, late career Matt Carpenter, Miles Michaelis, Adam Wainwright type extensions have not really, uh, you know, yielded the greatest returns for them. Um, I I think, um, I I guess, uh, I would expect them to maybe, um, work their way around the framework of this question a little bit so and I'll give you an example um, even in a universe where they do go out and they sign a, a, a big pitching contract for them in this like 150 to 200 million dollar range I think they almost certainly sign somebody who they don't who, who doesn't have the draft pick compensation attached to them that's just the kind of like savings that they do you know what i mean like they're yeah. they're gonna target one of those guys because they're gonna shave that little extra bit of value off of it um that's just kind of like uh i mean that that's the whitball ball frankly that's that's the kind of thing that they do so that's that's what i would expect um them to do
1: yeah like they they could go out and they could sign like giolito and jordan montgomery yep exactly. and there's no they don't sacrifice anything except money for them yep and that 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 uh that would definitely be a way to show their commitment to adding players maintain their young cost controlled talent and not hurt their their draft pool or or the number of draft picks they have absolutely um paul walter asks forget if this has been talked about, but do you see management giving Newt Bar an Atlanta Braves-type contract to tie him down early? Not typically how they operate, but feel like he'd be a good candidate.
0: Well, um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say it's not how they operate. I mean, they did, a you know, Albert Pujols signed a pretty large, uh, you know, his initial contract was a pretty large early extension. And I think they, they, and, and Carlos Martinez, um, I believe we could kind of put in there, um, you know, Paul de Young, not of that same size. Right. But, um, you know, they do these things. And, and frankly, I think they approach a lot of players. Don't you Ben with yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they, I think they, uh, I think they throw a number out to just about everybody. Right. Um, and, uh, um, I I I'm sure they talk to they're going to talk to Lars Nootbaar's agent and say like hey what are, you know would you be interested what are you thinking um, and I think they should and I think something like a Atlanta Braves type contract would make a lot of sense um, they haven't necessarily shown a willingness to go quite as big as the Braves have done with some of their young players. Um, you know, it would be great if they did. Um, but then of course, uh, the player has to be, you know, willing to do that as well. And, and, uh, you know, a large new bar may not be a lot of young players, um, you know, do want to preserve that ability to kind of go to the open market. So, um, so I think they should, and I think they might, um, you know, and if they do, you know, who knows, he might, um, you know, he might go for it. Um, You know, Nupar is also a guy, it's worth noting, who is not like a a high draft pick with a, you know, huge like signing bonus. So he is a guy who um, it could be a little more attractive to, um, you know, than than some guys. Um, But, you know, you never know. And and a lot of times we just won't necessarily know what's being offered behind closed doors. But I'd love to see it happen because he's a a very good player and a, a really fun player.
1: I mean, the the thing that I think could potentially cause them to take more of a wait-and-see approach is he's never really had a full season. Yeah, no, the, the health been... thing. Yeah, 100%. Yep. So, you know, they might, you know, in September of next year, if Newt Bars had a full season and been healthy and productive, it, it would not surprise me at all if they they approached him. Yeah, you know like this is proof of concept of what you can be um but he's just he's had a lot of health issues some of them are are like freak health issues like fouling a a ball off of his groinal region yeah uh, to quote mike shannon um but 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 some of them are the same is true of tyler o'neill i mean
0: it's it's the same thing with tyler o'neill yeah who everybody hates for the same reason
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. And so, you know, if you're on, if you're on the Paul DeYoung contract and you're, you're constantly injured, you know, that's not quite Paul DeYoung, but it's frustrating in a different way. And, and the team doesn't want that. And so I, it wouldn't surprise me if they're, if they take, I wouldn't be surprised either way, but, um, but taking a more conservative approach to locking in Newt Barr um, where you wait for him to show that he's healthy, I, you know, unless you can go in, and the reason it wouldn't surprise me is if they can go in and get a better deal because he hasn't been healthy. Um, you know, like there there's that price point, right? Where it's like, okay, we accept this cost to extend Lars newt bar because we're concerned about his health. But the upside is such that we feel it's worth it. And yeah. so that that that's a very interesting. Uh, thought exercise for fans, um, and it's a it's an exercise that I suspect the front office is probably already, if they haven't completed it, already going through it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. Um, Longtime cards fan asks any thoughts on Grisepo? He seems to have taken a step back, but not sure how much could be injury related or if his stuff isn't playing as much in Triple A. He was well thought of heading into the season. Is that still the
1: case? Um, well, uh, I think if he had a, a, a season where he had been healthy and effective in, uh, in AAA the way that he was last year, um, he would be pitching in St. Louis right now, and the team might not be talking about uh, – Adding three starting pitchers, yeah. um, and so I, I to me, I think the most concerning thing is the walk um, this year. And you know, I have not had the opportunity to watch a lot of his starts, um, but those numbers have not been uh, particularly endearing, um, and even. More recently, his starts. He's, he's had quite a few walks. And so, I mean, at this point in time, I would not be surprised if he gets a look as a reliever in camp next year with the opportunity to, to break camp uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals as a relief pitcher. I would be very surprised if he um, gets a look as a major league starter you know i I feel like if he's hanging around major league camp and getting uh that look it's gonna be as a reliever, otherwise I think they're just going to send him to minor league camp and say you know you need to show us what you can do as a starter uh in twenty twenty four uh in the minors
0: yeah yeah um no i um uh, yeah, I echo what you say um And yeah, I think, uh, and, and, you know, what's, I'm just looking back at the, the, um, the question here says, I I mean, you know, basically just, I, I, yeah, I think the fact that we haven't seen him, we've lost track of him, that kind of tells you something, right? (laughs) You know, Um, especially the kind of season that the Cardinals have had, right? Um, And it, it, kind of gets back to something that we've just talked about, just the, This team's just pitching development is just essentially, you know, non-existent, and um, and I think um, and and again, Kyle, who asked us the question earlier, and is you know our 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 kind of favorite go-to person on. Um, you know Cardinals minor leaguers right we asked him in our minor league preview you know who who was the you know starting pitcher that you know he was most excited about in you know uh, in the minors you know who, who could potentially you know come up this season and his answer was nobody <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh and and uh, he was right <laughs> so, yeah um and and so yeah it's uh you know it's uh I, and, and graceful was probably the most tantalizing i think of any of these guys you know the guy who you thought well maybe there is enough strikeout stuff there or something you know like if he takes even a further step forward um but you know just hasn't really um you know hasn't really been i mean he's looking i'm looking right now he's you know he's got a 20 percent strikeout rate in triple in a that's not great that's below league average right he has a below league you know he's he's like their he's their he's their good strikeout guy and he's got a below league average strikeout rate in triple a he's got over a 10 percent walk rate that's just i mean that's not good that's just good no and it's not good and it's not good in triple a you bring that up to the majors it's it's you know it's like like it's not going to be good so you know why bother bringing that up and you're right i think that's the most likely thing is you push it to the bullpen you maybe get some ticks of velocity, you focus, um, you, you know, you, you maybe narrow the, um, you know, you narrow the pitch selection and, and maybe you get enough there that you um, over short bursts, um, you, you become uh, more of a weapon. I think that's probably your best case scenario at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. All right. Uh, J- Jason asks, is Tommy Edmond now the best Cardinal player of all time?
0: Well, I feel like we did kind of address that earlier when we talked about comparing him to Jose Okindo, and I think even the fact that he was in the conversation with Jose Okendo means yes, he is. Um, um, he's, he's at least in the conversation, the fact that we could compare him to um, to the secret weapon so um, I think we should thank uh, all our uh, folks who asked us these questions Ben, um, I think we're, we're running pretty long tonight I think so we should probably uh, wrap things up but as always we appreciate uh, all the the questions from, uh, everybody. Thanks so much for sending those in, especially in a rough season like this. Uh, so Ben, as we wrap things up here, what are you going to be looking for?
1: Uh, I am going to be watching Jordan Walker. He seems to be, uh, heating up and looking at his, uh, pitch selection and how much he's able to drive the ball in the air. Uh, Cause I'm really hoping he has a really good final month to the season that makes everyone feel really good and excited going into 2024 about his prospects.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think we would all love to see that as well. Uh, I'm going to be watching uh, Richie Palacios, Ben. Um, I have really enjoyed watching uh, him. Um, I was actually in Pittsburgh uh, last week, um, right near uh, where he hit his first uh, major league uh, home run. Um, I was out there to I think I mentioned on the last show to see the baseball project, which by the way, great show, uh, met another friend of the show, uh, Alex Chris out there. Uh, we caught that caught that concert and caught a, a Cardinals game but I was at, at that ball game and um, but what I've enjoyed You know Richie Palacios, twenty six years old, former third round pick, kind of like former prospect. But I don't think anyone Ben has told him that he's a former prospect. Have you noticed that the way that he's playing?
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's he's making the most of his opportunity for sure.
0: And I, I, you just you love to watch a guy play like that, right? He's up, he's got a shot. Like, I mean, well, I shouldn't say. I mean, I don't know that the I don't know that the club has any kind of long term really. plans for him but he's you see a guy that's really like i'm going to make the most of this time that i have here so it's just a lot of fun watching him and he's just he's playing with a lot of you know kind of you know kind of energy and spirit so i'm enjoying watching him again i don't know that it's going to go anywhere i don't know there's a long-term future for him but i'm enjoying watching him play uh as he is now so um ben do you have an off day recommendation for folks
1: um, yes, I do. Uh, my off day recommendation um, is uh, is an, uh, a recent uh, podcast, and I find myself <laughs> uh, a little bit weird recommending this because it's uh, it's Joe Madden, and he was on the Starkville podcast talking what? about Shohei talking about Shohei Otani. And I just thought it was really interesting. Um, And so I'm not like a big Joe Madden guy, um, but I, I, I thought it was an interesting listen. And I I think if you're interested in Shohei Otani and kind of, you know, what he's like, what, is going to happen moving forward, those types of things. I I just thought, you know, Madden has been his manager. He knows him pretty well. And it was, I thought, a really interesting episode. Um, And uh, I I enjoyed that discussion quite a bit.
0: Yeah. So I was actually uh, cleaning some files off of an old computer tonight. Um, I actually found a picture of myself from the very first Cardinals game that I went to, which I did post on uh, on Twitter. Um, I also found a file that was just labeled uh, a Morton Joe Madden, and uh, it looked exactly as you would expect it to. So just <laughs> <laughs> random uh, Joe Madden uh, thing there. Uh, ben, I'm going to recommend uh, journaling to folks. Just a good mental health thing to do. You know, take a little bit of time, some point in your day, just kind of sit down, uh, kind of write your thoughts out. You know, not something you're ever going to show to anybody. It doesn't have to be. Uh, you know, real, uh, like, uh, organized or anything, but just, you know, take some time, Uh, you know, think through your day, get your thoughts down on paper. Uh, Just a good thing to do journaling, give it a give it a shot if it's not something you already do. Uh, Anything else, Ben, before we uh, before we wrap it up?
1: Nope. Uh, we hope everyone has a good Labor Day weekend, and uh, hopefully the Cardinals games continue to be as enjoyable as they were over the last couple days against the Padres.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, last couple shows, I feel like I have forgotten to thank Devon for uh, our wonderful theme music. Thank Dan for our social media. Um, we'll be back with you actually on Monday um, for the next Cardinals office. Go Cardinals!